Good evening, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the continuation of chapter 4 of Ephesians, Living to God's Glory. Um, I'm back after uh, a week of, uh, well, I had a car accident, and I just uh, want to thank you for your prayers. I just want to thank you for uh, your good comments. Uh, uh, it, was a, it was a tough day for me. Uh, usually, I use those days to come and, and record this class, but... Uh, I'm here now. Uh, I feel great. Um, nothing happened. Thanks, uh, thank, thanks be to God. Nothing happened. Uh, I got, I got out of the car without a scratch, and uh, uh, God is good. God is good, and that's all, all I can say. Um, and uh, I, I just feel very happy just to be here in this platform, in this, uh, in this class once again after. Uh, a little bit of a break that uh, I gave all of you, uh, but let us jump right into section B, the way God works unity through spiritual gifts in le of leadership in the church. Now it's very important for us to, this is a very important topic because we question why did God give these spiritual gifts to the church and why to the leaders and why to certain people well it's not to certain people it's for everybody but in this case we're going to see the spiritual gifts in the leadership of the church okay so we're going to start on verses 7 through 10 and let's let's jump right into it and, and, and if you can open up your bibles please if you can open up your bibles take notes uh, if you have a question, leave it down in the comment, comment section and, I, and, and we will try our best to answer those questions. And if you also have prayer requests, please put them down there and also, also uh, share these classes. Share them so that more people can learn more about God, more people can learn a different way of uh, seeing the book of Ephesians as well. So, Chapter, chapter 4, verse 7 says, But to each one of us, grace has been giving us Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? Verse 10 he who descended in the very is the very one who ascended higher than all the heaven than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe okay so let us enter really quickly the giving of spiritual gifts to the church grace was given okay we all have grace given to us according to the measure of Jesus's gift right we all have that grace is a gift an underserving favor right the basis of God's distribution of spiritual gifts through his church is grace the free unmerited giving of God no one deserves or has earned spiritual gifts no one deserves let, let, let us let us see this no one deserves it and no one has earned it but God gives it 
That's why it's free. It's unmerited. It's undeserving. God gave grace through the gift of His Son Jesus, through the gift of Him. And that is exactly how the church operates. It's through grace, through the distribution of spiritual gifts given by God to the church in order for the church to operate. It's not about pride. It's not about any other emotion. It's not about your emotion. It's by grace of God that the church can operate fluently. It's like a good oiled machine. That's the church. The church needs to function according to God's grace, according to the Spirit of God who gives these spiritual gifts. So no one, no one can say, oh, I deserve a spiritual gift or I have earned a spiritual gift. No, it's been given by God, right? It's been given. When He ascended on high, what does that portion mean? This giving happened as described prophetically in Psalms 68:18, when Jesus ascended to heaven. This was evidence of his triumph over every foe, the leading of captivity captive. Now, I'm going to read the New International Version of Psalm 68:18, and I want you to I want you to circle verse 7 of chapter 4 of Ephesians and go to Psalm 68 and 18 and look at the similarities of this. Because let me read it from the New International Version. It says, When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. That's what six, uh, Psalm 68, 18 says. Now, okay, keep that in mind. Now, Bruce says, on this psalm itself, one may picture a military leader returning to Jerusalem at the head of his followers after routing an enemy army and taking many prisoners. You know, I have ascended. And taking many captives. I have ascended and many, taken many captives. Those who were rebellious now serve me. Right? Now, Jesus said, as Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper or the comforter will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Now this verse, chapter 4, verse 7, is talking about the ascension of Jesus when he ascended into heaven. Now let us, let us try to tie dots here. Let us connect the dots here. Because Jesus says right here in John 16, 7, 7 If I don't leave, then you will not get help. It is necessary for me to leave in order for the helper, the one who's going to facilitate everything, to come and make you understand things better. Right? So, if you look at what the scripture says again, right? It says this, 
When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, Paul did not quote the passage exactly as it appears in Psalm 68. Again, Paul did not quote this passage exactly as it appears on Psalm 68. Now, if you're confused, remember, I read from the New International Version. But, if we read from the New King James Version, which uh, I'll, I'll pull it up right here. Let's go to the New King James Version on both of them. So I can show you that there are, there are similarities between both of them. So let's go. All right. Watch. When he ascended on, on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, listen. You ascended on high, you led captivity captive, and you received gifts among men from even from the rebellious that the Lord might dwell there. Okay? Now, Paul did not quote it exactly. Either he altered it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, or under similar, similar inspiration, he quoted from the ancient translation called Targum, that quoted the psalm in this manner. Right? Okay, I'm not saying... I'm not saying that he altered it, or I'm saying that uh, that he got it from a different translation. These are these are just suggestions that I'm throwing out to you guys, right? Now, Psalm 60, 68, uh, 68, 18 reads, You have ascended on high, you have led captivity captive, you have received gifts among men. There is certainly enough room in the language in the language of the original Hebrew to allow Paul's reading. Even through it, it is unusual. Do not let this thought go, okay? Clark says this, It is enough for me that the apostle, under the inspiration of God, applied the verse in this way. And whatever David might intend, and of what whatever event he might have written, we see plainly that the sense in which the apostle uses it was the sense of the Holy, of the Spirit of God. David prophesied that Jesus was going to ascend to heaven. He was going to take captivity with him. He was going to give spiritual gifts. Now, something that we, we should note, Something that we, we should note is that is this. Psalm 68.18 says this. You have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. Led. Let's just look at that verse again. You have led. You're going to. You have done it. And look at what the, uh, chapter 4, 7 says. He led. You have led. He led. But look at the, 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 the next verse. Now, it says on 68, 18, You have received gifts among men. You have received them. But look what Paul says here. 
and gave. See, David is saying, he has received gifts among men. He has received all of them. But Paul says, he has gave gifts to men. He has given them to them. He has given himself to men. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing how these two verses of Scripture are so tied upon Christ Himself? But the inspiration of the Holy Ghost just changes words. Now, I'm not going to enter the controversy, you know, that, oh, uh, Paul, Paul was, Paul was uh, taking and, and, and taking away Scripture or adding Scripture to it. No. Paul was writing under the, whole, the, the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he knew what he was talking about. Right? He knew exactly what he was talking about. So, now this, he ascended. What does that mean? In this, Paul demonstrated how the words he ascended in Psalm 68, 18 had referenced the resurrection of Jesus, speaking first of his rising from the lower parts of the earth, and secondly, of his ascension far above all the heavens. Right? Some think that the phrase lower parts of the earth refers to Jesus' preaching to the spirits in prison described in 1 Peter 3.19 and 4.6. While this aspect of Jesus' ministry in Hades following his work on the cross is true and prophesied in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 and Luke 4.18, Paul did not necessarily refer to it here. Now, if you're trying to figure it out, what does it mean by Jesus' ministry in Hades? Jesus went to preach in hell. Yes, he did. Why? Because those people that died before knowing him didn't have the chance. So he gave them a chance. Why? Because he's God. He can do it all. And he has all authority. And the word says, the word tells us that he got out and he holds in his hands the keys of hell and Hades. So he gave them a chance. Said that he gave them a chance. He preached to them to hear the good news of salvation. And you can and, and you can be you can be rest assured that they were saved. Yes, he went into hell to preach. But he had to get up on the third day and ascend to heaven. This kind of reminds me of, uh, of what Solomon says. When Jesus, when, when Jesus was, was prophesied to come to this world, who has ascended into heaven and come back down? Who has gathered the wind and his fists? who has wrapped up the waters in a garment. Right? Who has ascended into heaven and come back down. Now Paul, Paul is saying, 
He has ascended on high. He has ascended on high. First, lower parts of the earth and then um, above all the heavens. Pretty amazing, right? Verses 11 and 12, they say this, and we're going to enter what the offices of a spiritual leadership in the church and their purpose. So now that we're going to deal with actual the, the leadership part, right? So 11 and 12 says, As he himself gave some to, the, to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay? Now let us go. He himself. This means that Jesus established the offices. They are the work and appointment of Jesus, not of men. He constituted them himself. He established these offices, these leadership roles himself. They're appointed by Jesus, not by man. Right? Gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Paul describes four offices, not five, as in the commonly yet erroneous term fivefold ministry. Now, before there's confusion in our Bibles, since we have distinction, we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, making it five. But I'll tell you why I added this this, this, this comment. Okay? Don't now don't be alarmed, okay? Apostles. There are special ambassadors of God's work. The first century apostles were used to provide foundation, preserved as the New Testament as described in Ephesians 2.20. Okay? Prophets, who speak forth words from God in complete consistency with the foundation of the Old and New Testaments. Sometimes they speak in a pre, uh, predictive sense but not necessarily so. And they are always subject to the discernment and judgment of the church leadership. That comes in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Now, I know that there's a lot of false prophets out there or a lot of people that prophesied many things. If they do not fall into the discernment and the judgment of the church, they, they are not prophets. There is a ministry of prophecy, but that comes directly from the Holy Spirit. No one is a prophet. No one was called to be a prophet. Only those who were giving that gift by Jesus himself. Jesus chooses who he wants these gifts to be so. Now, if we had all these five in a church, we would have the perfect church. And we would love to have pastors teachers, apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists in our church. But sadly, we don't have that. We don't. 
But it doesn't mean to be closed, enclosed in, our lo in one local church. It means to be in the body of Christ. But if we had that in our local church, we would have a, the perfect church. But we don't. Think about that. We don't. There's nothing wrong with apostles because apostle, an apostle means a messenger. They're being sent. Prophets. Nowadays, many, many people want to be called prophets because they say, oh, well, God told me this. Is it true? Only through the discernment and the judgment of the church's leadership. But also, it's the discernment and the judgment of the Holy Ghost, of God. Right? As with the apostles and modern prophets, do not speak in the same authority as the first century prophets brought God's found, uh, foundational word spoken. That it comes in Ephesians 2.20. Right? It is all given by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All given to that by the, by, by the, Holy, uh, by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Evangelists who are specifically gifted to preach the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. They're specifically gifted to proclaim the good news. Now, here's the catch for pastors and teachers. Pastor teachers are the ancient Greek clearly de describes one office with two descriptive titles. Who shepherds the flock of God's primarily through, not exclusively, through teaching the Word of God. Now, you see why I said there were four, but we see it as five? Here's the thing. Now, many pastors are called to teach. And not many, pa not many teachers are called to be pastors. Some pastors are good teachers. And some pastors are not. Some teachers are good at teaching. Or they are good at preaching. But they are not called to be pastors. You get it? So there is a, a, a distinctive role between pastors and teachers. If you're a pastor and you teach very well, you preach very well, good. But if you're a pastor and you preach very well, but you can't teach, then you're not a teacher. If you're a teacher and you teach very well, then you're a teacher. <laughs> but if you can't preach, then you're not a preacher. Right? So, don't, do not be mistaken, but what I, but what I, po but I, what the slide said earlier, many people think it's just one role with two descriptive titles. But we believe that there are five. Because why? Because not many pastors are called to be teachers. They don't know how to teach. And not many teachers are called to be pastors. Right? But that's just translation. Now, teaching is essential. It's an essential part of the pastoral ministry. It is appropriate, therefore, 
that the two terms, pastor and teacher, should be joined together to denote one order of ministry. That's what Bruce says. And teaching is a very essential part in the pastoral ministry. However, like I said, not many pastors know how to teach. They try, but it's not their forte. And we need to understand that. But that's why we have schools. We can learn, right? But not many pastors are called to teach. They're called to preach, but never to teach. You know, it's, 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 it's a different perspective of to teach than to preach. Preaching is just, you know, you, you, it's a concise, you know, 40 minutes. But to teach, you need to teach a series. It's like, you know, very, you need to get very in-depth with it, have the research for it. And that's what it is, right? These gifts are given at the discretion, discretion of Jesus, working through the Holy Spirit. That comes in 1 Corinthians 12 and 11. The importance of having all four in operation or five in operation in any church body is up to Jesus who appoints these offices. The job of responsible church leadership is not to hinder or prevent such ministry, but never to promote it into existence. It's, you shouldn't take credit for that for the ministry. It's, G, it's God's ministry, it's not yours. You shouldn't even take credit for it. You didn't die for the church, so why are you taking credit for the ministry that it belongs to God? Right? That's what it means. So everybody of us who are in leadership, we are responsible to not, pro to not give ourselves credit, but to give God the glory for what He has done in this ministry. Because it's not our ministry, it's His ministry. Right? It's His work. For the equipping of the saints at the work of ministry, the purpose of these gifts of leadership is also clear. It is that saints, God's people, might be equipped for the work of ministry, in other words, service, so that the body of Christ will be built up, in other words, expanded and strengthened. That is what is really important. And I end with this equipping. Equipping also has the idea of to put right. The ancient Greek word was used to describe setting broken bones or mending nets. These ministries work together to produce strong, mended, fit Christians. We need to be equipped. Equipped. Meaning expanded, strengthened. We need to be mended. We need to be, you know, fixed. These ministries will help us. And don't worry if, if you, you're, you're not an apostle or you're not a prophet or an evangelist. You do have a purpose. And God will show you in time what your purpose is. If you feel intended, if you feel a, a strong uh, motivation to teach, then go for it. If you feel a strong motivation to preach, then do it. If you're, if you're being called to the ministry by... Being a pastor, do it. We were all called and we were all chosen. 
We were chosen for a reason. What? And these ministries work together to make us stronger, to make us, you know, produce more. And that is exactly, we need to be put right, in the right path. And that is exactly the leadership of the church, how it should be. We need to be strong and mended and fit in order to produce strong ministries. Right? So with this, I end. I end today's class. I want to thank you for sticking around. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, being, uh, being here and supporting this uh, ministry that uh, we've been, we've been uh, trying to uh, promote. Meaning, uh, please also, uh, also don't, don't forget that we, we have our Women to Women class on Friday night at 7 o'clock. So don't forget to share this class and share the Women to Women class. But don't forget that we also have in-person class at 9 o'clock with Sister Rachel. And don't forget about our service at 10 o'clock in person, but also um, virtually. If you don't live in the, in, San, in the San Diego area, we do offer our services. We do live stream our service. So with that being said, I want to thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for everything. And with that, I'll see you here next week. God bless.